and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Today is a very special episode. It's our first one. Our first episode. (laughs) There's no good horror noise to make with my mouth, so that's what we did. (laughs) <laughs> None of it's too celebratory because most of those sound effects are like you gonna die, right? Yeah, exactly. That's not like woo. It's just like ooh, buddy's here. Um, <laughs> um, but today we're going to introduce ourselves and talk a little bit about what you can expect from future episodes. Yes. So let's first start with kind of where what we're expecting to do with um the podcast like what can people expect from us moving forward after today after today i think that you can expect us to talk about the horror genre in a very critical and loving way um we both love horror movies grew up on them and we'll get into those stories in a moment but also we don't always get treated the best way in this (laughs) content um which is all media but we're going to talk about horror today, because that's what sparks joy in 2020. And that's our favorite. You know, one episode might be about one specific film. One episode might be about a director that we enjoy, or one director that we think maybe not so much, <laughs> uh, or a franchise, or um, it could be... So we're, we're kind of keeping it open right now, and we're going to see where... Um, um, we're taken by our spirits. <laughs> <laughs> we're just scholars on a journey. <laughs> yes, and we're going to develop this as we go. I hope everyone out there is enjoying their pandemic times. Life is its own horror movie right now. So, you know, what can you do? We have a joke in the White House, a joke in most state houses. So, it's all a horror film. So, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> Life, does life imitate art or does art imitate life? Ooh. All right, so let's get down to it. Let's see. I mean, this is our first episode, so we don't have much housekeeping to do, except we do need to shout out some people that have been, like, going nuts on our Facebook and social medias, um, getting all of our um, trivia correctly. So um, a shout out to Haley Free, who has gotten both of my can you name this film screenshots correct within like five minutes she's on top of it Haley's on it yeah (laughs) got it and then um Blair who got all five uh, I think there were five was there five or six of the final girls there were six there were six okay so he got all six final girls correct um they were let me pull that up real quick make sure I don't want to miss anybody because they're all so important right like the Scream Queens make the genre. Exactly. Um, the six were um, Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street, um, The Final Girl from Friday uh, the 13th, Part 2, um, Ripley from Alien, Laurie Strode from Halloween, Cindy Prescott from Scream, and The Final Girl from the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which that was the one I was tripped up on because it's been forever since I've watched that. Yeah. So we may need to revisit that soon. I think we have to. That's a whole subgenre in the horror because, it like, really they're definitely about that grit, <laughs> about that chainsaw. 
Ooh, <laughs> it was so dirty, there. They did them dirty. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and all right. So let's, um, that's all. Is, am I missing anything, Sheree? Housekeeping wise? That is it. Um, for those of you who follow us on Twitter or Facebook, we have both. Um, <laughs> both are equally fun. If you have both, why not? Oh, also we have on our Facebook, the um, which Scream character would you save? which is very interesting, the results on that so far. But it's still going. So if anyone wants to go react to that, go do it. It's a tough debate because so many people have died that franchise. <laughs> so many awesome people. <laughs> right? It opens with us killing Drew Barrymore, who we thought was going to be the lead. And it was like, no, this is Nave's show now. <laughs> and you're like, I guess. All right, so let's move on. So we're going to talk a little bit about... Um, who we are, to introduce the, the listeners to us, if they don't know us already, which some of you may. Um, so let's talk about how we know each other. So Sheree and I met uh, each other in our undergrad, which was years ago. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we... We're really good friends in college and, and kept in touch. And since college, I had the pleasure of directing Sheree's script, Craigslisted. Check it out. Um, I'll let Sheree plug that in a minute. Um, and where you can find all her other stuff. But um, we did that uh, two years ago? Three? It has to be three now. I think it's three. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? Time flies. So yeah, that's how, am I missing anything, Sheree? There's a lot of drinks in between here and there. And... Like, we spent most of our time at UCM together drinking, heading to drinks, <laughs> or leaving the drinks. Or in rehearsal. Learning to be fierce friends and fierce artists. Um, yeah, we sort of lived in the black box for the most part. Just turn out new works. <laughs> moved in. We moved into that black box and said, this is ours. Right? No, like, speaking of the black box, true story, Trent directed my first play ever. Like, it's true. yeah, right? The Waiting Room, which I wrote in a playwriting class, and I sent it to Trent to read just to give me some feedback, and Trent was like, can I direct this? And I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because of that, I actually, like, kept writing plays because I got to, like, see an audience watch it and see how directors can direct. They don't all. <laughs> <laughs> follow those models <laughs> and we'll talk about some of that in some of these horror movies as well um True. but i was like this is good this is the good stuff i want more of this well great that's uh gives everyone kind of a taste a little bit of um us and or our relationship in general but um one of the things we would definitely want to get accomplished in this episode is to talk about ourselves individually um so Sheree, why don't you go first and just give them a little um, background of who you are, you know, all, where you're from, all that. Why, why do you like horror and all that jazz? Awesome. I, I was drawn to horror because I come from a big family, um, mostly boys. Like me and my little sister are the only two girls in what turned out to be eight kids complete. <laughs> And even though like there was some staggering and age gaps, there's always somebody still in the house. And I, as a kid, I took offense to the fact that they could watch horror movies and I could not. And it just sort of, it was one of the things where I felt it was part of the whole, cause you're a girl, which is 
it was a very sexist household. So like, perhaps this one wasn't part of that battle, but I took it as part of that battle so I could argue with my mother. And so finally one day she was like, fine, you can watch them, but they'll come crying to me if you have nightmares. And I never had nightmares, but my imaginary friend list was very wild. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, no, I remember my first imaginary friend was Freddy Krueger. Um, we had a falling out and it became Michael Myers. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know, I guess that as a kid, I was like, not only am I not afraid, I'm going to make the thing I should be afraid of, my friend. Take that, Ma. Well, and you also, Freddie just got too mouthy. So you were like, I need someone that's silent. Right? Like, like I will not be a sidekick to my imaginary friends. <laughs> it is the other way around, Freddie. Um, <laughs> so do you think, and you can talk a little bit about like, your identity and how that uh, communicates with your love of horror like do you think that that has anything to do with that and maybe I, I actually do because like I watched more horror movies than anything as a kid including cartoons and so I feel like it helped me shape my first identity as a feminist a little bit I mean granted it had to like grow like we all do because it's very easy to sit there and just be like all these white girls are surviving Feminism, yay. <laughs> but as like a little black girl in the Midwest who feels ignored all the time, it also was kind of damaging in a way because it's one of the things I never saw myself in. So I sort of grew up with this warped perception of who and what I could be and who and where I belong, um, which is why I'm happy to talk about it and unpack it all real quick for all these episodes because it's a lot of, especially the earlier <laughs> we go in horror, it's a lot of like, white people, which is why I love Wes Craven, because at least he takes it and he spends it on his head in the suburbs. Because it's easy to be like, the suburban people are like living their best lives. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> Nancy's mom puts a ball of vodka in the bed and doesn't talk to her about things. <laughs> You're welcome. And I was like, thank you, Wes. <laughs> There's problems all over. <laughs> so yeah. Cool. But tell us about you. Um, so, whew, um, I grew up in the South in Arkansas, right smack dab in the middle of the Bible Belt. And um, luckily, well, I don't know about luckily, <laughs> um, my parents oddly introduced me to horror at a very young age, probably like preteens, maybe a little younger than that. So like I've literally grown up with specifically late 90s slashers, and those are still my favorites. Partly sentimental, partly because they're better. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I grew up with Scream and that whole franchise, which we've already talked about. And, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend and uh, Valentine and um, all those, like I said, late 90s, early 2000s horror films. Um, and since then, I think that I've really, like, grown into my, like, I, started there and then as a as like a teenager I was like I want more I want more and like new horror wasn't coming out fast enough so I was going back and watching like uh Marion Werewolf and Parrot or London and then um or Halloween and um uh Friday the 13th um those classic 80s horror you know and before and so it really helped me develop 
uh, I really developed a, a love for the genre. While, and also as I got even older into college and post-college, recognizing that there are some issues, as you pointed out, especially with like people of color, um, predominantly black people, uh, but also uh, Latinx and uh, really anyone of color um, and queer people and women representation and like how, you know, the fact that, you know, the whole, if you have sex, you die, but it's typically the woman who dies first, you know, like, anyway, we get it. We've seen it. We've talked about it. Um, and I, and like you said, I can't wait to unpack that and, and think about how something can also be, two things can exist at once. You can have something that like, like the fine, the idea of the final girl, the girl that the feminine energy that triumphs over the evil, that lives, that survives. Now, typically, yes, she has been one kind of girl, but I'm, I, I, and I love that mo more modern horror, like stuff that's coming out today from Jordan Peele and others are kind of diversifying that a little bit. Um, but that the, the feminine energy can overcome because as a little gay boy in the Bible Belt, Sometimes it felt like you could never prevail as, as a feminine person. And, you know, while I am not like overtly feminine, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm somewhere in that spectrum, but still I'm more on the feminine side than the masculine side. And so it, I loved seeing that idea that the female can survive this while all those douchebags got, got cut. <laughs> All those douchebags that in my high school were bullying me and calling me a fag and, you know, all this shit, they didn't survive. It, it was the woman that survived, the one that would have been my best friend, you know? So, but also while that's happening, you also have the women of color not being treated correctly, queer people not being treated correctly, and then um, glorifying sex, you know, sexualizing female bodies and stuff like that so i'm excited to be able to unpack all that and figure out um or not necessarily figure out because i don't think that there's an answer but to just understand it a little better yeah now that actually hits on something i've been tracking just in the little bit of research we've been doing for this and some other projects is that like what draws a lot of us to horror is that survivor story because like at the end of the day, no matter how unpolished it is, <laughs> no matter how many of us don't see ourselves in it, there is a survivor who has gone through some of whatever has been created in this world, who comes out on the other side. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Halloween. <laughs> um, and, and, and typically that, that survivor is an outsider. And I think that's another reason why minority uh, groups identify with horror more so than any other genre because the outsider attitude is the ones that prevail in the end. Yeah, it's one of the few times, as far as the genre goes, where more often than not, the cis, straight, hetero, white man will not end well. Um, <laughs> it's one of the few. Um, we can definitely argue about some of those survivors and some of those choices as we go, but like, as far as like the ratio goes, it's one of the few times where I'm just like, Chad, this douchebag football player, he ain't gonna make it to the sequel. And <laughs> he don't. Sometimes he's the slasher. Um, so he really can't make it to the sequel. <laughs> so, like, yeah.
we kind of hit on why horror already, but do we want to just like go back in for things we might have forgotten or do we want to? Yeah, I feel like I blabbered about that a little bit. So let's hear it from you. Why, why are we doing this about horror? I, because I grew up on horror, I just, I always have this like weird soft spot for it. And so like, it sort of comes across in like my dark sense of humor, <laughs> the things I laugh at and like some of the jokes that make it into my plays. And it's just, ha- I used to watch horror movies to relax in my first few apartments it's because they are like my blankie. Um, there's something that, there's something just like really cute and comforting in this like campy world that usually comes out of them having like $80 to make a movie. <laughs> So, yeah. and, I, and I will say, I was the one that would sit, like, lay in bed scared at night. Because while you said you didn't have nightmares, I had nightmares all the time. But, like, I would lay in bed and be like, I don't live on Elm Street, so I, I'm fine. And Or, like, I am not related to Michael Myers, so he can't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I didn't have nightmares because of the horror movies, just because most of the people who get killed have to go be alone and you can't be alone when your house is always full of people. I would have loved I had the five minutes alone to worry about <laughs> Freddy Krueger coming for me. <laughs> I would have loved to have that space and time in my own home as a child. <laughs> Everything I consumed as a kid for the most part ended up back in horror. I was like that weird kid who was reading the Babysitter's Club but also Goosebumps but also starting her first like Stephen King novel which was Salem's Lot. <laughs> and then like can we talk about how goosebumps actually used to be scary it was always really cool it's, oh. all you children out there that only know these new movies coming out with jack black that are like slapstick comedies goosebumps was scary to kids rl stein was like i'm gonna hit you in your elementary school and then when you're done with that i have fear street waiting for you when you're a little bit older and I was like, I'll take both now at the same time, Mr. Stein. <laughs> so, like, I've always, my secret dream and my heart of hearts is to write a bad slasher movie and have it filmed. Um, I would also like to see horror done on stage because it's one of the genres we don't get enough of in theater. Right. And, and if you do get it, it's typically like that mindfuck cerebral horror. It's not like the fun slasher or the monster movie you know yeah i would love something if we have to do something not as straight up horror i would like something like cabin in the woods on stage um where we sort of nod at the genre but also we get a couple of jumps mm-hmm. um also hemsworth i will never say no to one of those um <laughs> Who would? Who would? i mean let the right one in um <laughs> let them all in right wrong all indifferent in. as long as the hemsworth right like if there's a Hemsworth, I have the time. And so, like, <laughs> I would love that. Or I would even just, like, love something. Because you have all these designers. I mean, back when we could do theater and when we can't do it again, you have all these, like, brilliant designers who could pull off so many cool things that we don't even see on film. And I don't know why we don't, like, turn them loose on this genre more often. It would be like a real-life haunted house happening right in front of you. Except they wouldn't touch you because that shit ain't right. Oh, no, no, never touch me. But could you imagine, like, an immersive theater situation that is a horror stage play? So you, like, walk in with your friends and your tickets, and there's, like, all the fog, and you get separated, and they're just, like, screaming and chainsaws and all of I would, I would live there. I would, <laughs> I would stop what I'm doing and become a groupie and just be like, are you open yet? Are you open yet? And it would be, like, combining two loves. 
the love of live theater and the love of horror. Yeah. And, and there, and I will, you know, I don't want to say there isn't any because there is some. It's just very niche and very few. Like there's Bug by Tracy Letts, and there's um. It's a thriller. Yeah, there's a there's a couple others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but um, there's some. It's just, like I said, it's typically cerebral. It's typically like uh, paranoia inducing, not jump scares or like, mm-hmm. you know, someone getting their throat slashed. For one of my 10 minutes I wrote on the 24-hour play festival, some drunk girl screamed, and it was the best compliment I've ever been given on anything I've ever written. I wanted to, like, seek her out, to be like, are you the screamer? So what are you, we've already kind of talked about, like, being excited about unpacking some of the issues inside of horror, but what are you, what else are you excited about with this podcast? I am also excited because this has shown me that a lot of people I know are really into horror and we never talk about it because it's sort of looked down on as an art form, which is weird. I didn't think it goes back to the whole guilty pleasure <laughs> um, thing what could throw at people. Which I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Love what you love okay. and fuck the rest. Like if somebody else wants to get mad at me about what I love, okay, whatever. I still like it and it gives me pleasure. So what does it matter? Right? Literally, that's how I feel about it. Um, And so I love that it's brought so many of us together in this new way that we have another thing in common and to see what they say their favorite horror movies are. And also the people who can speak to movies I've never even heard of, who we're hoping will be guests on podcasts in the future once we have more things situated. It's exciting to give us all these platforms, especially because like we're not seen within the genre in a good light usually. So at least we can like deconstruct it and also like spread the knowledge of things where we are treated better, but we don't see these movies because they're not mainstream. And so I'm here for that dialogue. <laughs> well, and hopefully too, through these conversations, there might be a, a young Wes Craven out there that we could, that we, through hearing our thoughts or perspectives could say, hey, let's make this movie. Let's make this idea. Let's make, you know. So more conversation isn't a bad thing, in my opinion. I don't know. I, I'm all for talking. Um, talking's how we get resolutions. And are we learn to do better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I will also say, I'm really excited about, because, you know, we're both creative people. And inside of this COVID-19 world, I feel like me personally, my creativity has really been like stamped out sometimes. I feel so stifled that I'm excited to be able to analytically, creatively start looking at these films and these franchises and these directors and actors or whatever and and, and, and express myself creatively because I feel like as creative people, it's important to do that. And so it's kind of a personal reason, not like a super personal reason, but like, yeah, I'm excited to be able to create content. And I think that the pan- the one good thing about COVID is that it has forced us as a society to be creative and to figure out how can we do things that we would have never thought of doing or were doing in a different way. Agreed. Like, I have definitely not been writing since the first lockdown in March. <laughs> Um, and so it's fun to find new ways of still being creative and still using my brain and thinking it like an artist without having that whole pressure of turn something out. You wouldn't a debt for this. You should do it. 
because <laughs> um, that's not helpful. But like picking apart things that like we really love and enjoy and seeing how they could be better or what we would change. That in itself was a class I wish I could have taken. Um, there was never a horror movie class in all of my electives and communications and film. There was never a straight up let's talk about horror. Where was my scream to horror movie class that they go in? Remember that scene where they're like, what's oh the God. best sequel? And I'm like, I want that class. <laughs> Can we talk about how watching Scream and just seeing Sarah Michelle Geller and Joshua Jackson in this like throwaway scene and then Sarah Michelle Geller? running and then getting murdered even though she's Buffy the Vampire Slayer and what kind of like mental gymnastics my brain had to do to accommodate this as a child. So yeah okay so let's let's talk about what are five do you have five let's say up to five it doesn't have to be five that's a lot but up to five hot takes on horror that could be controversial but could not be controversial. Oh (laughs) <laughs> and these could spawn ideas for future episodes okay um let's take turns let us do that because yeah number one i'll do mine first number one um i hate nancy from nightmare on elm street <laughs> I hate that's, her a so cold much. Take. that's a cold take i just watched that today um and uh-huh. i was like oh, um, it's so bad. I can't. I love the movie. Like everything else about that movie, I love because I rewatched it recently too. Um, spoiler alert: possibly future episode. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> but I can't take her now. I will say, it's been a while since I've rewatched it, so I, when we talk about it, I might have a different take. But I do like her better in the third installment because she comes back. But that first movie. I just those that the line readings I can't it's just so it's so over the top and like maybe she was going for super camp but like none of the other people were in super camp mode so it was just really confusing and I yeah I mean uh I'm just not a Nancy fan not a Nancy stan I'm sorry I always mean to google her resume to see what she did before that um (laughs) i keep meaning to do that and i need to do that before spoiler alert the episode we'll talk about it um because if it's her first movie that makes sense because your actors all the time talk about how they had to learn how to act after their big break True. like alexis bloodale talks about the original gilmore girls and how she was learning how to act on set (laughs) which is why we had no faith in her when handmaid's tale rolled around and she was like no i feel better now and it's like you are get it get you um my first hot take is i i love a bad horror movie just as much as i love a good horror movie at the end of the day there is something charming in seeing these awful props and these awful sound cues and a plot that makes no sense and the overacting and the underacting and the is this person still no they're in this scene And I think part of it is because I grew up watching stuff that was recorded on VHS. I'm that old. From like USA and other like weird channels that did late night horror movies. And like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes had George Clooney in it before he was George Clooney. You can't just like let these things die. You have to like keep them in our consciousness. (laughs) Right. Um, On that, I guess I will say, because I want to, okay, so shout out. One of my favorite podcasts that I just got introduced to is uh, Horror Queers. And one of the, on the last episode, they just talked about how 
well, one of the co-hosts was talking about how he loves great horror and he loves terrible horror. What he doesn't, what he hates is meh. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, and I agree. I, I can't take just like the flat line, middle of the road, don't make any, like take a risk, make a choice, do something fun. If it doesn't work out, at least you tried it was something to watch. Yes, literally, go big or go home. <laughs> I don't care if you go big in which arena, but go big. Okay, so my second hot take is, and this is just something that people should know about me going into future episodes. My favorite film of all time and my favorite horror franchise is Scream. Hands down, the best. We'll go to bat for it. We'll fight. We'll fight about it. I will argue about it. I will do everything to prove that that franchise is literally horror gold. I miss fighting with VHSs. Is that a hot take? <laughs> I miss hot take. Be kind, we rewind. Be, okay. Were we kind? Did we rewind? Like, <laughs> I miss that. But the paranoia that comes from you getting it back to the store and going, "Oh, did I though? Did I?" <laughs> That's a good hot take. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so my fourth hot take. There are, as, long, as much as I said that, like, er, you know, earlier I was talking about how I've seen a lot of, like, as a teenager, I really tried to, like, uh, consume a ton of horror and not just, like, one specific genre. There's still a ton that I've never seen. And a lot of ones that, I, like, I tell people, are like, what? You've never seen it? But, like, yeah, so don't be surprised if I'm ever like, I never saw that movie. <laughs> My third hot take, um, I would say that I, oh, God, this is hard. <laughs> How is this hard? One of the rest of the podcast is so easy. <laughs> um, I would say that my my favorite, favorite, favorite franchise is another West Craven and it's Nightmare on Elm Street just because those were the ones that like made me sit on the edge of my seat as a kid. That is what showed me what horror could be because I love the bad ones. There was lots of slashers. I'm very familiar with Jason Voorhees, but it was something nice to be like, it's not just like a stab and scare or like a chainsaw. It's like, no, Nancy, I'm in your dreams. That added a whole new layer for me as a person. <laughs> It was very much like, it still is, one of the most innovative, creative horror films that has ever been made. I mean, the whole franchise, not just the one, but like that idea that you could get, that someone is chasing you in your dreams and you're actually going to die, that's terrifying. Right? Also, Robert England, props to Robert England, who's this like classically trained actor who took a job, which brought us decades of joy and like 80 movies. Like... Mm -hmm. How do you, you can't see that coming when you just sign on and be like, I want to work for Wes Craven. It's going to be fun. How do you, how do you go, where do you go from there? Whenever it's you also, talk about the movie, go ahead. Also props to, to Robert England because he has recently come out and said, maybe not recently, within like a year or two, and said that he would like to see a remake of Friday 2, or not Friday, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where it really leans into the queer representation. Whereas in the original, which we'll get to later, it really kind of fights against that. Um, but yeah, he's he's come out and said, I want this. And I, I think that's super cool. Because like how many other 
actors are calling for their own work to be remade to make it more inclusive. Yeah. And I just also love him because he will support anybody's horror movie. He's made so many cameos in movies that are beneath him. True. But he's also the grandfather of the genre now because, like, he's Freddy Krueger. We all know Freddy Krueger. Even the casual horror watchers, like, oh, yeah, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> um, okay, so my fourth hot take. Here it is. I prefer Mrs. Voorhees to Jason. I think yes. she is a better villain. She is more creative. She is more, you don't see that coming. Whereas with Jason, like this Friday 2 is great. But like past like four or five, it gets super stale to me. But like Mrs. Voorhees, that was genius. And I loved it. I am here for whenever the killer turns out to be a woman because it's not done enough. Even in the year 2020 of our Lord Beyonce, we are still like, it must be a man because only men can get into your dreams this way. Like, what is, wait, stop, unpack this. <laughs> and it's imaginary world we're creating, only the men can do the things, how? Like, I remember being a kid and one of our neighbors who I never need to talk to again, was complaining. He'd never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but knew women couldn't kick in doors like she did on this trailer. And I was like, it's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Slayer. Slay. Slayer. 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 The Empire. So right now we're not dealing with reality, even though your reality is different than the rest of ours. But in this <laughs> in this created world of a genre show, you still can't understand how women could be stronger than you think they are. Really, Don? Really? <laughs> so yeah. So what's your fourth hot take? My fourth hot take should have been my first hot take, to be completely honest. It is that the Babadook does not get enough love. We, even like when people like favorite horror movies, things I saw recently, the Babadook is left out of the conversation too many times. Too many times. It is a work of art. When we get to that, whenever we do that podcast, expect a three-hour <laughs> conversation, a thesis. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, a a docu-series. <laughs> on Hulu and Netflix, like Fire Festival. <laughs> but it's just me asking us to embrace the fact that this movie played so many games with us and that twist at the end, I'm not going to ruin the things because I know some of the people listening haven't seen it because it keeps coming up. So many people have it in my DMs and they're just like, what is this Babadook? And I'm like- Also, Babadook is a queer icon, that's all I'm saying. Baba Shook. <laughs> Baba Shook. <laughs> Um, okay, so my fifth hot take is not super interesting. Well, it's more for like future episodes, I guess. But so my second favorite subgenre in the horror world. So my first I've said is slashers, specifically 90 slashers, but really any slasher. I love it. Um, my second favorite is a tie, and that is between vampires and witchcraft, which, as we've spoken to, it gets to who I am as a person. Vampires are code for queer, and witchcraft is code for feminism. Ding, ding, ding! We have a winner. <laughs> <laughs> which I just recently rewatched Fright Night, which if you haven't watched it, you should go back and rewatch it, because it's, one, amazing. Two, it's 80s, and it's perfect. And three, it is so gay. <laughs> it is great. It was one of my favorites as a kid, and I need to rewatch it now, now we're talking about it, because I'm just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I also need to watch that remake that I heard was really awful. Um, because they don't use any of the queerness. They take all the queerness out, so there's it's not fun. They and they and they um, substitute all of, like the practical effects for CGI, so that's terrible. Oh. It's it's just not good. The original, I mean, there's a legit a scene where he comes, and this was like, and I know this from horror queers. Thank you, another shout out. That uh, the director specifically chose this to happen when the main character walks into the room and the main vampire dude is his little henchman is doing is like filing his nails or like making his nails or whatever and he is on his knees in front of him as if he's giving him fellatio and so it's like very clearly it's not like nightmare 2 where it's like maybe it is maybe no like bitch they gay no no no, no, the vampires vibe because he also has sex with women but like they queer they some kind of something they ain't great (laughs) Own it. Embrace it. <laughs> Start your franchise. <laughs> Two of the actors in the film, either before that or, well, I think the older one before came out before, but the younger one came out afterwards. So there was two queer, three, there was three, because the girl came out as a lesbian. Um, Amanda, um, Amanda Beers? No, what's her name? She was on Married with Children. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. I remember. Yeah. 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 Oh, my. I need to revisit that. I need to see if I can find that on an app. <laughs> yeah, so like while Scream and that franchise and Slashers are my favorites, like The Craft, Interview with a Vampire, like I love, I love witchcraft and I love vampires. My fifth and final hot take is as much as I love exorcism movies because it's always about like getting this demon out of this girl so she'll be a passive little like <laughs> scaredy cat again. Um, I've never seen The Exorcist. I've seen so many other movies, but for some reason, that one seems terrifying. So I've never done it as much as I love horror movies. Yeah. I would say, I watched it too young and I, and I need to rewatch it again because even from what I remember, it's better than what I originally thought because the only reason I didn't like it when I was younger is it's very slow, a la Rosemary's Baby. Um, which now I've watched as an adult and I love Rosemary's Baby because it is slow. It's that slow burn, the tension builds, and then it's this huge climax. It's very, the, the Exorcist is very similar to that. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, it just feels, it feels too much. I don't know why. I've only seen pictures and heard stories and whispers from the cast on like different like interviews, but I've never done it. And another side note, my jackass brother, who I've not spoken to in over a decade, tried to give me an exorcism once, and it did not end well for him. Um, which is my another aunt, reason. My huh? aunt, my aunt once asked me if I was the devil. So, see, see, <laughs> more connections, more Even connections. Major, when she asked me, I was like, I don't how, like, I can't. If I say no, I would the devil say the yes? Like, <laughs> I'm answering that question. <laughs> Right? Would the devil say yes? Like, <laughs> is it not being honest? But yeah, no, it was, it was definitely weird. And it was definitely after I told my brother about himself. And he was like, only a demon would speak to me that way. And I was like, or only someone who's honest, unlike everybody else in this house. Because women can't like, speak like that. Yeah, because like, nobody else will call you a jackass, just the devil. <laughs> so, so it was, and that's another reason I think I was able to easily and accessibly unpack the exorcism genre <laughs> of, oh no, this girl's being not spoken. Get it out of her. 
<laughs> and then like tying her down and bringing in old men to like sort of torture it out of her. It's just that's gonna be a whole two episodes later. But I just I, mean, I think I it's the action has got some more stuff in it. Like there's some pea soup and some pee oh. on the flow and some oh. crazy shit. <laughs> no. I also, weirdly enough, I also am just weirded out when we bring religion into horror movies. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's something about all the symbolism and stuff. Oh, see, um, I, I love when they bring a religion into it. It makes it too so scary. <laughs> how fucked up religion is. It is. It I'm is. I'm saying that religion can be used for good things, so don't come at my mentions, okay? Don't come mm-hmm. at my mentions. <laughs> I, I believe <laughs> the power of religion can be used for good, but very often it is not. It's not. I know when I see like a bunch of those little boys in like a Catholic church show up, this is a movie I've gone too far in. I need to like pause it, <laughs> turn some lights on, think about if I need to finish it or not. Because like, first off, kids are scary. Secondly, <laughs> putting that religion <laughs> symbolism in any horror movie elevates the level of horror to a place I did not want to go. I came here for a good time. And I know this is so is your is your problem like a stat like real world religions or so like for example children of the corn has its own kind of religious aspect to it but it's not like christianity judaism anything like that so is it any religion aspect or like actual real world religions the thing about children of the corn that they're children and so they also just root me out like children and religion together i just know no when we do Children of the Corn, if we do Children of the Corn, just know that's the day you have to stay on the phone with me because I can't sleep. Because I've seen too many children doing too many religious things in the corn. <laughs> I just, I'm going to be afraid. See, I love Children of the Corn. I think it's fun. <laughs> I thought once as a child, and that's the one that almost broke me, I was like, I have to cleanse myself with a nightmare on Elm Street. I have to cleanse myself with some Amityville. I can't just sleep knowing children in the corner out there. Okay, so another hot take. This is like number six, I guess. But like, I'm not a big, I don't love the original Amity. Amity before. I, I, I think the remake is better. I don't know. I mean, Ryan Reynolds was prime Ryan Reynolds. So like. Oh, girl, yes. I already watched that recently in this quarantine. Because I was like, you know, I want to be stuck in a lockdown with old school Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> 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 I, I rewatched it and it it holds up. I mean, is it the scariest, best thing I've ever seen? No, but as far as like the a family moves into a haunted house, you don't want to acknowledge a haunted house. It's fine. Yeah. Like I would watch it again. I probably will. Um, I don't remember the original. I most of the seventies horror movies I watched as a kid are just not there in my brain anymore. I think because I was not impressed. <laughs> Besides Halloween, Halloween is amazing. That's different. I was talking about Halloween for days on end. I am a little Halloween encyclopedia, especially the first one, because AMC would like do a Halloween marathon every year. So when our cable lined up with that, I would just be taking in all the trivia and facts. Like I am, I if I were Jamie Curtis, I would be concerned that I know so much about the filming of that and like. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, also hot take number eighty hundred. Uh, I know what you did last summer is a good fucking movie. It's not just a scream knockoff. Go watch it. Go watch it. I have to rewatch it because I remember when it came out when I was a kid, I was mad it wasn't scream. <laughs> and so that tainted it's it. It's a it's a totally different vibe, but it's like it's a really good as a theater person, and you'll appreciate this, Sheree. Other listeners may as well. 
but as a theater person, I love horror films that spend time developing character. Bless. And I know what you did last summer and Scream are two of the horror films that do that the best. Because every single, Noel, 75% of those characters in those films are developed. Now, I am counting <laughs> all of Scream, um, but I'm only counting I know what you did and I still know what you did because I don't even talk about that third movie because it was atrocious. I didn't know there was one until you told me the other day. And I was like, well, clearly <laughs> I have let that franchise fall out of my view. <laughs> but the first two are, well, the first one is incredible. As much as Scream 1 and Scream 2 and like the Scream franchise are great. Scream 2, or I know what you did last, I still know what you did last summer. It's fun. It's a really good one. And props to them because Brandy fucking lives. I you could have started with that. I'm gonna go find that <laughs> right now. What I we need more black women in horror to begin with, especially ones who live. Because like that trope's gonna pop up a lot. How oh, there's a black person. What how long will we have them? I was watching this movie. Okay, so like like I said, I like bad horror movies. And I follow like this writer on Twitter. I'm not gonna like name drop right now because like we need to see where this goes. Maybe he don't want to be associated with this. Who knows? <laughs> but like he pointed out this movie and I forgot the name of it where it's just like a really really awful horror movie and towards the end of it the black janitor who's been popping up saying like really weird stereotypical things is outed as a serial killer who's been killing this whole like team putting this movie together and then they like start fighting and they rip off his mask and this black skin comes off and it's a white man underneath it and it's just I don't I don't know how to unpack it I don't know how to feel about that. Is I it, don't know how to unpack it. Is it making the statement that blackface is bad? Because, okay, I'm here for that. Is it making the statement that white men are wearing black identity to, like, make people think that it's bad? Like, black identity is bad? Like, I, I'm here right. for it, but the imagery of that, I, I, yeah. You also have to understand it's an older one, like 70s, 80s. And so there's not a whole lot of nuance. It was a really bad movie. And, like, the tweet that led me there told me what to expect, but one of those things was like, I have to see this for myself. <laughs> Is this real life? Did this really happen? I to see this. And I like downloaded like some random ass like app that was like, we have it for free because we're free, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I watched it and I watched in disbelief. Like I didn't just read that tweet an hour ago. <laughs> and I was like, this really happened. He wasn't making it up. This is, they are pulling off a black face. <laughs> of a janitor who has been popping in, making me really uncomfortable this whole time. <laughs> oh, God, help us all. <laughs> all right, well, Sheree, should we tell the audience what we're gonna do next next week? Yes, um, so as you might have guessed from the title of this podcast, which is A Nightmare on Fear Street, and all of these Wes Craven nods, we like the Wes Craven. We like the Freddy Krueger. So we're gonna start with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, we're hoping to talk about the first three next week, but we will see as we sit down to start recording if we need more time <laughs> or less time, depending on how many more of our thoughts on Nancy resurface between now and then. <laughs> because, yes, our idea is to kind of discuss the franchise as a franchise, but really hone in on the first three films and talk about their plot and character and all that stuff. 
but um, we may have comments upon the the franchise as a whole, but we're really only going to focus on the first three. So if you would like to um, do the do the viewing with us, I suggest watching the first three uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets, um, and then we'll discuss them next week. And for those of you that have HBO Max, all of them are on there. That's how I'm watching them. So find your friend, get that password, and get caught up. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Sheree. And, and we will see you all next week. Thank you for listening to A Nightmare on Fierce Street. <laughs>